0: Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, and today I am talking with a breathing expert, Patrick McEwen. He's the author of The Oxygen Advantage and many, many other books, and he has a litany of accomplishments, and I could probably spend all day just reading them off, but um, I'm going to save you that and get right to it. So, Patrick, how's it going, man?
1: Good. Good, Julian. No, it's good. Thanks very much. Yeah, man. So we were just
0: talking a little bit, um, kind of the whole coronavirus and kind of um, how it's kind of altered our lives a little bit and put it on pause for now. So um, how's life been for you during this time?
1: Um, It's been different. It's been very, very different. In actual fact, I'd never have predicted it. To give you an example, I flew in from Los Angeles back to Ireland on the 17th of March. So I just got in before the flights were pretty much postponed from the USA to Europe. And I was due to fly out to Australia on the 19th of March. And Australia was in lockdown, so I couldn't fly. So I've been home ever since. So I haven't had travel. Normally, I'm away about 150 to 200 days in a year. Mm-hmm. So actually, in fact, I'm loving it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I needed to slow down. And from you know a work perspective, we've been doing, able to do everything online. And even better, you know, better without the travel, without stick, stuck in hotels, Like, I think we really have to realize that this technology is being here and we needed something to force us to use it more.
0: Yeah, you know, you you speak on that and it's been a great reset point. And strangely, this time I've never connected with more people, Mm. just just for conversation.
1: Even friends or
0: people I've lost touch with, colleagues, peers. I've just used this time just to connect, and it's strange that something like this would make us pause to mm-hmm. do something as simple as just to reconnect. So I think that's been the benefits of it, you know, even with everything else going on.
1: Yeah, maybe people have more more time. You know, we're not traveling like how like the amount of time that we waste just travel, going from place to place, stuck in cars, getting to an airport, stuck in waiting, in you know, um, hangars and flying, etc. It's, it's It's such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's not productive. You don't do much on a flight because you're generally just chilling chilling out and relaxing, maybe having a glass of wine. That's about it, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I very rarely get things done on an airplane or airport for that matter. But um, yeah, so let's start with um,
1: how did you get involved in breathing of all things? I came across this by accident. Um, I had a background of asthma as a kid into my teenage years, into my 20s. And I didn't just have asthma. I was a chronic snorer because of mouth breathing. And I used to wake up feeling exhausted in the mornings. And I remember, you know, having to to go through high school, into university and required to concentrate and required to memorize information and to be able to retain and reproduce information, but not having the energy levels and the concentration to do it in the first instance. I was a chronic mouth breather, and nobody ever told me in 20 years to breathe through my nose. I was a chronic mouth breather during sleep, and many of your listeners will wake up with a dry mouth in the morning, and if you wake up with a dry mouth in the morning, your sleep is not good. So if you don't have a good night's sleep, and I'm not talking about quantity of sleep, you could sleep 10 hours, and if your mouth is open during that time, you're still not going to wake up feeling refreshed but it can depend on person to person. And I was those, one of those individuals, I would wake up exhausted. My snoring was pretty bad as well. So people two doors down in the university would tell me, in the university dorms would tell me that they could hear me snoring. And then they would say that they heard me stop snoring. So I had, all likelihood I had obstructive sleep apnea. So the story goes, I read a newspaper article in 1998 It was about the work of a Russian doctor. He said two things. He said, breathe through your nose all the time, in and out. And he said, breathe light. So that night, I wore tape across my mouth in 1998. And I used Breathe Right strips to open up my nose. And I woke up the first morning feeling not too bad. And then I went to sleep again the next night. And I woke up the second morning. And it was just, it was the most unbelievable feeling of energy that I had ever had. I never had that feeling of energy, And I'm 48 years of age, Julian. My concentration and retention and creative capacity and ability, energy and focus is much better now than when I was 16 years of age. So you're talking about entrepreneurs? I'm an entrepreneur. I've been in business for 20 years. My background was I do have a degree in business. I change careers. And I changed careers because I was in the business back in 1988, 1998, 1999, 2000. I was highly stressed. I wasn't able to focus. Little things would affect me. And difficulty in managing staff because, you know, you're not thinking straight. And, you know, they send you to business school. And they send you to business school to be able to perform in business. But they don't teach us how to concentrate. They don't teach us how to be better able to handle stress. They don't teach us how to have improved sleep quality, to wake up with a vitality and a resilience. They don't teach us how to be concentrated and not to resist distractions throughout the day. When the mind is very distracted, we don't have our focus on our work because we are living in our head. And I'm not saying this is not airy-fairy stuff. I applied this stuff myself. I've, you know, my work has been very good. It's been very good to me. It's provided me with a very nice livelihood and a, a lovely job. A really, really nice job. I love getting up, getting up in the morning, nice and early, and I'll put in a fair day's work. Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack there.
0: And it really caught my attention because some some mornings I do wake up with a dry mouth and some mornings I don't. So yeah. so is that is that normal that...
1: It's very common. Okay. Very common. And it's very common to the point that every, like you're a young guy, Mm -hmm. people over 40 years of age, they are six times more likely to spend at least 50% of their sleep time breathing through an open mouth. And you know what? Once we hit 40, we tend to put on a bit of weight. That's the way it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially if you're working a lot in business, it's, it's difficult enough to have a balance when you're working for yourself. Like Timothy Ferris, when he brought out that, that book, The 4-Hour Workweek, it's not not possible. Load of nonsense, absolute load of nonsense would not be possible. Because even if you were to delegate, it would take you more than four hours a week. Unless you just put a CEO in charge and you give the CEO complete autonomy, and then you completely step back, then you could do four. To four. But anybody with a small or medium-sized business, you have to be hands-on. And if you're not hands on, at least you'd have to have some super, you know, personnel behind you that you can absolutely trust. But there is a time that you have to step in because my work is all about information and there's information that I know that my colleagues don't know. I have a great staff. We've got great team around us. Um, but I can tell you one thing, it's not a four hour work week. No. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, been, it's been good.
0: Yeah. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's lay a foundation for the listeners. Let's talk about the, just breathing in general. A, a lot of yeah. times, I know we think it's just something that just naturally happens, but there's a lot going on yes. um, with our breathing, even as we talk and, and et cetera. So let's, let's talk about just the basics
1: of breathing real quick. Sure. If you overbreed, if you breathe too much air, your blood vessels constrict and less oxygen gets delivered throughout the body. So when somebody says to you to take a deep breath or to take a full breath or a big breath, that's not going to increase oxygen uptake in the blood. That's going to, likelihood, if you're breathing more air, you're going to get rid of too much carbon dioxide. And as you lose too much carbon dioxide, your blood vessels constrict and less oxygen gets delivered. We know this. If I said to you, Julian, take five or six big breaths in and out of your mouth, you might start to notice that you're getting lightheaded. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect of it. Number two, the stress response. Stress causes our breathing to be fast and upper chest, a little bit faster and a little bit upper chest and irregular. And that feeds back into our stress response. Number three, people with a predisposition towards anxiety and panic disorder, they are 80%. It's 80% likelihood that they have a breathing pattern disorder and that's feeding into their anxiety. Number four, we have to think of the warrior of old, the warrior from the Eastern world, the guy who is not just sitting, you know, a tree hugger, but the guy who is absolutely focused on the breath to train the brain. And when concentration, concentration is your ability to hold your attention on a subject matter for a period of time without distraction. For how long can we concentrate? And concentration is reducing, and it's reducing because of this, the mobile phone. Because the mobile phone and social media and email alerts and text messaging is providing a constant interruption and a constant distraction. And it's training the brain to be distracted. And with a distracted brain, you can't focus. And if you can't focus, you're not productive. But also, if there is no space between thoughts... You don't have creative and fresh and original thinking as much. So there is a time to be able to think. And then there's a time to stop thinking, to be able to direct our attention to where we want to go. Now, I'm going to come back to my point earlier, which I didn't finish it off. Men over 40, especially, we can be at risk of obstructive sleep apnea. And that is a, a huge, significant impact on our quality of concentration and mood. And for example, depression can be linked with it too. So breathing really, really is important. And I would say that the first thing that we do is start breathing through the nose and tape up them out. That's one of the best things that I ever did. And it's not just about taping them out. It's also about learning, breathing light, breathing slow, breathing deep so those teenagers of the 1990s generation lsd light breathing slow breathing deep breathing
0: mm. yeah so so nas- nasal i think i read in the book about mouth breathing as a child and yes and our j- jaw development and i found that fascinating yeah.
1: can you speak on that real quick yeah if we have kids and if they have the mouth open it causes negative changes to the face because the tongue isn't resting in the roof, of the mouth, and we don't get forward growth of the jaws. And as a result, a mouth-breathing child will have a face like mine. The maxilla is set back, the mm-hmm. mandible is set back, the airway is compromised, and that's why I was snoring and obstructive sleep apnea, very much influenced by having jaws that are set back, as opposed to, if you look at really fit athletes... And if you look at people, well, you're, you're pretty much well-developed okay. because you've got good forward growth of the jaws mm-hmm. and you've got good wide nasal cavity for breathing. And it's different to mine because in terms of you see my nostrils, you see my nose, you see my jaw set back. And the problem here is it's not just about the aesthetics, but it's about the function. If you look at the top athletes in the world are really strong people, women or men. They typically have a really well-developed face and airway, And that's a sign. That's, that's health. That's function. That's not just aesthetics. There's not a coincidence, it's not a coincidence that most people who master in sports, they're often very good-looking. They're very attractive. Now, there's a few exceptions, but most of them are pretty good-looking people. They're good-looking people, and they function well, and that's how they've got to where they are at. And, by the way, there was a study carried out in a university, I think, of Southern California. And they looked at CEOs from Fortune 500. And they measured the width to height ratio of the face. And the CEOs with the wider faces earned more money. Now, on the downside, you couldn't trust them. But the CEOs with the wider faces, they earned more money. So I think it's interesting that's when they looked at the height I think it's the height to width ratio of the face of top Fortune 500 CEOs. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Now you're going to this whole weekend probably when I go out now and when I go to the gym, I'm going to mm. be looking at people's faces. Yeah. And, and see if I can start noticing that.
1: And you know what? Tell them to go and tell them to shut their mouth and start breathing through their nose because here's another thing that I I cannot get my head around. You know, I would say about 95% of the people exercise with their mouths open, even just during light, intense exercise. Here's a few things about mouth breathing. Number one is your mouth does absolutely nothing in terms of breathing. Zero, no function whatsoever. You breathe through your mouth, that air goes straight down your throat and the mouth has done nothing. Your nose, evolution has designed our nose to be able to perform a number of wonderful functions. Moisten incoming air, warm incoming air. Harness nasal nitric oxide, take and redistribute nasal nitric oxide by breathing through the nose. It helps to redistribute the blood throughout the lungs. The PO2 of the blood increases by 10% with nose breathing. Nasal breathing also has greater amplitude of the diaphragm breathing muscle. And the diaphragm breathing muscle provides stabilization of the spine. So functional breathing and functional movement go together. And if you have an athlete going around with their mouth open and they are breathing fast and upper chest breathing, they are more likely to have respiratory muscle fatigue, they are more likely to gas out too soon, and they are more prone to dysfunctional movement patterns and at a greater risk of injury. So we have to think about breathing. If you want to increase oxygen uptake in the blood and oxygen delivery to the working muscles and a greater utilization of oxygen and reduce breathlessness during physical exercise, The nose is the key. However, it's difficult enough to do it at the start because the air hunger is quite strong when you switch from mouth to nose breathing during physical exercise. But if you continue doing all of your your exercise with the mouth closed, the body adapts to it. So you should think of physical exercise, breathing in and out through the nose, you're adding an extra load onto your, your training and that forces the body to make very suitable adaptations including improved fitness, you know, reduced ventilation, more economical with your breathing and also an improved recovery. So, and before I forget, heart rate variability, we can increase that by doing a number of different breathing exercises, not just cadence breathing. So it's between 4.5 to 6.5 breaths per minute. Mouth closed during sleep. Any of your listeners who are wearing aura rings, if they're tracking their HRV, I guarantee you, if they do slow light breathing for 15 minutes before sleep, and if they have their mouth taped during sleep, their HRV as tracked will improve.
0: Mm. OK. I'm also thinking that when we start nasal
1: breathing more, that's going to help in the weight loss department as well. It can do. Mm-hmm. It can do, and it can do so from the point of view two fronts. One is sleep. If we are prone to obstructive sleep apnea, and this affects 26% of men typically between 30 and 50 years of age, and 43% of men over 50. And for females, it affects about 9% of females aged between 30 and 50 years. And once the female goes through menopause, post-menopausal women, it, it, it increases 300%. So it increases to 27% if we are having sleep disorder, breathing, it messes with hormones, leptin and ghrelin and ghrelin is a food appetite. So we eat more, we put on weight and then it messes with our sleep. We eat more, we put on weight. And the other thing is when we are tired and stressed, we are more likely to eat more. So the metabolism, the body just works much better when, The body is in a state of balance between the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, and the the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, because we need resilience. You know, if you think of it this way, in terms of how human beings respond to stress, you know, you, you present a situation to two different people. Those people can react very, very differently to it. One person, they go into such a fight or flight response that they won't be able to think straight. They won't be able to reach a decision. They'll, if they, they're in such a, a fight or flight that they'll probably make the wrong, haste, hasty decision that's not properly taught out. And you have another person, they are presented with the same situation. They have got the ability to keep their composure and not to react by going into that fight or flight response, but to develop a course of action, to think about it and it's a, That's where it's at because the measure of a leader is not how you do when the company is going well or the, the local coffee store is doing well. That's Any monkey can run a business when, when everything is going fine. The measure of a leader is when things are not going well. This now is going to be a test for leaders because markets are changing. Everything is changing in many industries at the moment. And the measure of the leader is the guy who comes up with the strategy and the plan. And you don't want too long a term a plan either because things change. But you want to be able to steer it. It's the leader who has the intuition and the capacity to decide on a course of action, to steer a business when the business is in trouble, not when the business is doing well. Yeah, I'm thinking right now,
0: and to, to kind of piggyback off of that, that breathing is just that much more critical now, because there's a lot more stress. And I'm thinking of myself, I have this habit, which I've been getting a little better with is that when I get really focused on a task, or I'm really trying hard to concentrate, my whole breathing pattern changes. Mm-hmm. And you can all and I think that's adding more stress to the system. I, am I correct on that? And I'm sure a lot of guys have yeah. that problem.
1: I think it's normal enough, though. I think it's when you really concentrate. I think it can be normal that if you go that focused, you know, that you could have an apnea, and typically what people call is an email apnea. But what I would look at breathing is screening breathing just from a functional point of view, and the BOLD score is probably the handiest way to, to, to measure it. You know, we look at breathing. A researcher will look at breathing from three different dimensions. They look at the biochemical, the biomechanical, and psychophysiological, but a simple breath hold test. The bolt score gives you good feedback. If, for example, if you want to measure bolt score, you're sitting down for about five minutes, you take a normal breath in and out through your nose, you pinch your nose with your fingers, and your time how long does it take until you feel the first definite desire to breathe, and then you let go and you breathe in through your nose, and your breathing is normal. If your bolt score is above 25 seconds, you're in a pretty good place there's an 89% chance that dysfunctional breathing is not present. And that's according to a paper that was published by a professor of physical therapy, Kiesel, back in 2018. And he looked at 51 subjects aged 27 years of age. Now of the 51 subjects, young people, 27 years of age, only five of them had normal breathing and 12 of them failed all three dimensions. And in between it, then they failed either one or they failed two. And that gives you an idea. Breathing pattern disorders are relatively prevalent. comes back to this, you know, I would look at breathing from a couple of different dimensions and I would look at it in terms of my own experience, but also talking to people around me. And very often we have to consider that the human being, we have been trained how to think. We go to school, we go to high school and many people go on to university. We are trained how to analyze and break information into tiny pieces. We are trained how to think, but we are not trained how to stop thinking. How do we stop the runaway mind, the racing mind? And the other thing is how much of our energy is so unproductive because all we're doing is living in our heads and thinking, thinking, thinking. And I hear I'll give you a story about business. I was doing, again, you know, a business degree. I was studying for it in the last, last, was actually second year in college. It was a four-year degree. And I had one exam. It was fairly important. And I spent three months studying for it. And I was joined by a friend. His name is Terry Clune, C-L-U-N-E. And he didn't open a book because he was setting up a business when the rest of us were studying it. So he didn't open up a book. And he said to me, he says, do you have your notes there? And I says, I do. And I handed him my notes. And I remembered him absolutely glued to my notes. And he'd turn a page and the next page. And this was the difference. Because if I was looking at notes, I'd be looking at the note, but my attention wasn't on the information. I was stuck in my head. And I couldn't get out of my head to remember that information. I'd get down to the bottom of the page and I would have to go through the whole thing again. In any event, the two of us went off to the exam. He got the same grade as I got. It took me three months and it took him 20 minutes. That's not an exaggeration. And that stuck with me because obviously he had something that was a natural ability and I had to learn it. Now, the same guy, if you put him into Google, Terry Clune, and You know, Ireland, we're not necessarily recognized for having these big businesses. We're a very small country. But he's worth probably about $600 million, $800 million. And he's about 49 years of age. At the time, back 25 years ago, he was setting up a taxback.com. He then set up, he's a multiple entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. He's got so many different businesses in different fields And when I met him about four or five months ago, his goal is to have three different businesses valued at $1 billion each. Mm. Just watch this space. Now, it's not about the money. It's about the the capacity to concentrate. So how do we train the brain to be concentrated? How do we do that? And it takes a bit of work. It doesn't happen overnight. But I started focusing on my breath. And the mind would wander off and I would bring my attention back onto my breathing and the mind would wander off and I'd bring my attention back and the mind wanders off. But not only was I focusing on my breathing, I was reducing the volume of air that I'm breathing to feel air hunger. So I'm deliberately slowing down my breathing, taking less air into my body to feel air hunger. And when I have air hunger, the mind is anchored to the breath but it's almost that you're developing a muscle in the brain and you're developing a muscle in the brain that any time that you want to step into a flow state, you can just harness that. So if I'm giving a public speak, speech, oftentimes I don't prepare very much for it. And the other thing is that I don't like using PowerPoint presentations. And the reason being is because people look up at the PowerPoint presentation and what I'm talking about is often technical. And they're absolutely hypnotized and they're falling asleep looking at the PowerPoint presentation. And I want to look into their eyes. And I want to be in that flow state. And I want to have a cadence of speech that the right words appear with the right sequence, with the right topic. And that happens. And that's something that we develop. And it's not just that you know, you're using it when you want to give a presentation. But you can tap into this at will. Sports psychologists say sometimes, you know, how can we tap into this coveted state of flow? You develop it and you don't develop it on the morning of a match. You develop it in the weeks and the months and, you know, the time leading up to the event. That when you need it, you tap into it. But what's more, the athlete who does focus on their breathing and who makes a concerted effort to keep taming the brain, taming the mind, then they can bring that in, not just into their sports, but into their business, into their family life, into sleep, and into ability to handle stress. Because the mind is that, it's that part of the body, that function whereby all of our life's experiences are interpreted. And yet, to survive in business, we have never been trained how can I get the absolute capacity and the use of my mind that can be built upon?
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. So to, to
0: piggyback on that notion right there, when I guess, what do you think it is that, that let's start with how to, how do you start going about training your brain? How do those well, leaders start doing that?
1: I would first start pay attention to what we're thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. Like how much time are we wasting unnecessarily? How much fruitless thinking that, say for instance, something goes wrong and we think about it once and then we think about it twice and three times and four times and the 50th time, well, the 50th time is pretty useless. You know, there's a time that thinking becomes unproductive. So I suppose the first thing to do is just stand back a little bit and just pay attention to what we're thinking about. The second thing is to get a good night's sleep. Because without a good night's sleep, the mind is going to be agitated. Number three, pay attention to your breathing. But not only pay attention to your breathing, learn how to slow down the breath, breathe using the diaphragm, and also to have air hunger. This is not about yoga breathing, by the way. This is not about how yoga breathing is often practiced. There are some wonderful yoga instructors who understand about breathing from a biochemical and a biomechanical and a cadence point of view. However, many of them don't. It's not about taking the full big breath. It's about tapping into your breathing to increase blood flow to the brain. Here's an example. If I give a presentation, I'm in the hotel room, and if the presentation is due to start at two o'clock, I don't arrive down to the event at nine o'clock in the morning because otherwise I'm talking to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And by the time two o'clock comes, I have decision fatigue. I want to conserve all of my energy for the event. So I stay in my room. I go to the gym. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to stay focused. I don't want anybody sucking the life out of me because many people want to suck the life out of you. You want to conserve your own space. And I'm an introvert anyway, so I don't get energy from talking to groups of people. I find it draining. At about one o'clock, I focus on my breathing. This is an hour before the event. And I focus from one o'clock until about 20 past one. I have the eyes closed. I'm bringing my attention inwards and I'm bringing my total focus onto the breath and it's calming me but I don't want to be too calm. A flow state is when you are calm and you are alert at the same time. That's what a flow state is. That almost everything has slowed down. That you're moving simultaneously with time. So I do the 20 minutes of slow breathing to calm the mind. And then I do five, I do two easy breath holes. So after doing the slow breathing with air hunger, I then stand up because I'm too relaxed after the slow breathing. I don't want to be too relaxed. So I do, now don't do this if you're pregnant or if you have any serious medical conditions, but I take a normal breath in and out through my nose, hold my nose, and I walk about 10 or 15 paces holding my breath. 30 seconds later, I'll do it again. That's just a warm up. And then I want to do a few strong breath holds. I take a normal breath in and out, pinch my nose and hold my nose, And I start walking, jogging, running on the spot. And I keep pushing it until I feel a fairly strong air hunger. And then I let go and I have minimal breathing. I get my breathing under control. Now what that does is it increases blood flow to the brain. There is a gas called carbon dioxide. And if you increase carbon dioxide in the blood, the blood vessels react by opening up, that you can increase blood flow and oxygen delivery to the brain by holding your breath. You then feel alert. So there's a way through the breath that we can influence the autonomic nervous system. We can downregulate, we can bring the body into relaxation. Very important before sleep. We can upregulate, we can stress the body using breath holding, or we can get a balance between the, the parasympathetic and the, the the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. So the, the breath you can influence many functions of the body normally outside of our control and mo- and i think you know i think there's a great application of this for anybody who has their own little business i think it's very important because all of those <clears throat> we need those traits we can't be going around half asleep we can't be going around half stressed out you know we we don't function and we don't enjoy it there's a great feeling that when you wake up with an energy and a capacity, that you are so, what I would say, efficient with your time. That something is presented to you, you deal with it, you move on. It's presented, you deal with it, you move on. As opposed to, you're presented with something and you're to and fro, you're not able to make a decision, you're all over the place, nothing happens. It's not going to happen for the entrepreneur that way. Yeah. And
0: speaking of entrepreneurs, a lot of them are talk, a lot of times, a lot of them are speakers. And I'm thinking that if you speak for a living or you do a lot of interviews,
1: couldn't that make breathing a little more difficult? Yes, it does. Talking talking is one of them. You even notice it here. But you have to, I'm going to tell you my story today. I already gave a six hour training in Poland talking, six hours. So I've been talking for six hours. I've done a couple of hours on my laptop answering Uh emails. And now I'm talking with you. That's my day today, Friday evening. Now I drive to Limerick after this. So here's the thing about talking. Talking makes you breathe harder and it makes you breathe faster. And any of your, your guests or any of your listeners who talk a lot for a living, they will know that if they're talking for one or two or three days, it's very, very tiring. It's really exhausting. And it's, it's more than that. You know, some, some of my clients and instructors would tell me that they feel depressed afterwards. Their heart rate is racing because when you talk, you typically will breathe harder and you breathe more air. And as you breathe harder and more air, you reduce blood flow to the brain. And that's why talking is exhausting. It's not because of the concentration of talking, because if we are in a field, we will typically know the field inside out, back to front, but it's the change to breathing. This is where nose breathing also during sleep is very important because we have to protect the airways. You think of the, the vocal cords, you know, you're know, you thinking about like the upper airway is where they are housed, and it's very important that we're not mouth open, snoring all night long because all it's going to do is cause trauma to the airway and anxiety and lack of fatigue and everything waking up, you know. So yeah, talking is, I would do the routine that I do. That's probably why I do it as well. Um, you know, before an event, I typically reduce my breathing for 20 minutes and I'll bring my attention inwards. And we have to bear in mind that we have a limited amount of energy. We have to, you know, that's the way it is. We're not Superman. Like it's not going back to the days of Gordon Gecko on Wall Street. If you remember the film, <laughs> he says, wimps eat lunch. You know, that's, we, we, this is not like the human body. We have a, we have a limited amount of energy and it's very important. And I think it's also very important when we get a bit older that we take 10 or 15 minutes out and we bring our attention inwards and we recharge and you can do that once or twice a day. And that's tremendous as well. But when you have better breathing and when you're not wasting so much energy unnecessarily, the human mind, how many of us are using our brain to its full potential. And if you look at, you know, you would probably think of people with anxiety, you know, and of course, this is influenced by genetics, but at the same time, we have some degree of influence to help ourselves. If the person has anxiety, they are literally lost in thought, and there is all those thoughts going through the mind mind, thought, 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 consuming of us of energy. How could, we, how could we be focused? How could we have good energy levels if we're wasting so much of our, our energy? lost in Tosh.
0: yeah and this is kind of i guess different uh but i i forgot where i read this from and it might have been from your book i don't remember but i think maybe was it 100 years ago or years ago i don't remember the exact number that the average person was breathing maybe six or seven breaths per minute and then now it's 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 much higher I'm
1: not sure if it was six or seven breaths per minute, but I would say it was definitely less. And I don't Mm -hmm. think I wrote it about it in the book, but I would agree with you. And I'll give you this example. I only spoke about that today. 20 years ago, when I started looking at this field, the respiratory rate was typically 12 to 14 breaths per minute. Now the respiratory rate is 14 to 16 breaths per minute. Now, two breaths per minute mightn't sound all that much. It's a fair jump. So we are breathing faster. And one thing about faster breathing is that it arouses us from sleep Mm -hmm. and also it stresses the brain. And Stanford Medical School, if you were to put into into Google, Stanford and slow breathing, you will see that in March of 2017, Stanford Medical School, they, they, they identified a new structure in the brain. And they said that this structure is spying on your breathing. And if you breathe fast, this structure will relay signals of agitation to the rest of the brain. So I would agree. The human face is getting smaller, and the breath is getting faster. Not a, not an ideal scenario. Huh.
0: So our faces are not. So our faces are becoming like smaller. Mouths. Yeah. A mouse. Wow. Okay. And so and that's, that's not good. Yeah. That's not that's, yeah, that's good now. Yeah, because that's making
1: difficulty with with breathing. Yeah. The problem is then there's not enough room for the tongue,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when there's not enough room for the tongue, it's more likely to fall back into the airway. And also orthodontics. Some orthodontists do extractions and some of them will do extraction and retraction. And if you can help it, never get extractions for orthodontics and absolutely never get retraction because your airway, a good airway is the size of your thumb. Mm -hmm. And if you have, uh, you know, if you have the jaws set back That airway is smaller and that's your sleep is going to be compromised. And you, if you don't have that good sleep, I know I keep coming back to it. You don't have focus. Wow. So,
0: and then there's, I guess, diet plays a part in this also with our
1: development as well. Yes, it does. Definitely. it's
0: It's like breastfeeding.
1: Very important. Yeah because it's about in terms of manipulation of the muscles of the face necessary for craniofacial growth and also chewing hard food, you know, like McDonald's, if somebody hands you a burger, it doesn't take much effort to go through that burger and you've no idea what's in it anyway. So our ancestors weren't chewing burgers. Our ancestors were chewing harder foods, meat that was probably likely to be tough, vegetables, which were probably raw, you know and and fruits etc so exercising the muscles of the face are necessary to because a muscle the more you work it the better it is pretty mm-hmm. much you know when you work it the right way of course
0: yeah okay so let's let's go to exercise a little bit um a lot of listeners exercise and mm-hmm. uh, and i know maybe some people are thinking cuz i thought this initially too that when you're exercising it's it's hard to just nasal breathe and yes yeah so how would someone i guess would you start by just doing a little bit as much as you can and then breathe through your mouth and then keep going back and forth rotating until it gets easier and
1: easier yeah what i would do is i'd probably have a decent warm-up first Mm -hmm. and during the warm-up make sure that your nasal breathe throughout and also when you're when you're breathing during the warm-up in and out through your nose breathe low so, you, For example, you could start off with your hands either side of your lower ribs. And as you breathe in, the ribs are gently moving out. And as you breathe out, your ribs are gently moving in. But not to take big breaths, not to hear your breathing. You know, We don't want to over-breathe. We want to have low breathing and deep breathing, but we don't want to have big breathing. So after nasal breathing during the warm-up, increase the intensity of the warm-up a little bit over the course of 5, 10, 15 minutes and then bring in some breath holes. Just as I do, this is how we train our athletes, for example. And we have some serious athletes, Olympic athletes, some Bellator, professional fighters, and um, professional soccer players, pro- pro- professional golf golfers, tennis, SWAT, special weapons and tactics. Um, so we've got some serious high caliber instructors putting this into practice. And we will always use this for pre-competition preparation. We start off with nasal breathing, with lateral expansion and contraction of the lower ribs. And then we go into a couple of small breath holds, And then we go into strong breath holds to stress the individual. But it's to stress the body to provide as well. A couple of things that happen. Number one is if you hold your breath for a long time, you open up your nose. You open up your lungs. You increase blood flow to the brain. You cause your spleen, which is an organ underneath the left side of the diaphragm, to contract And it releases red blood cells into circulation. So it increases your alertness. It's putting yourself into that kind of a, you know, that drive state, that stress state that you can go out and do it, that you're alert as well. During the physical exercise, if you're a recreational athlete, do your best to sustain nasal breathing, even if you have to slow down a little bit. Keep doing your physical exercise with your mouth closed. And I guarantee you, If you continue doing your physical exercise with your mouth closed, number one is you will be surprised at the workout you can achieve with nasal breathing. And number two, your recovery will be much better that you feel that you could do it again. We have one of our instructors recently, we posted on on Instagram about two days ago. She ran 100 miles with her mouth closed. 100 miles run with her mouth closed. Oh my goodness. So we have another instructor, 600 miler with the mouth closed. Um, You know, it's it's some serious feats, you know, in terms of, and then we might have other people who are climbing the likes of Kilimanjaro and breathing in a way to optimize oxygen uptake. And we can, that's just the thing about the breath. When, When you understand and simple things, simple things that you can make those adaptations. But yeah, at the time, at the start, it's a bit more difficult, but continue with it. Maybe look at the work of, of, Professor George Dallam, D-A-L-L-A-M. And I'm not sure what university he's affiliated with in the United States, but he has been, he's a well-known triathlete in the United States. So I'm just going to put a search of him here, and I can pull out a little bit more information on him. And a few years ago, so he's a professor in the Department of Exercise Science, Health Promotion and Recreation, at, and I'm just looking for the, one second, the university, Colorado State University. Okay. He has been working with athletes for many, many years, and he's authored numerous articles, etc. And 2018, he's a former national teams coach for USA Triathlon. He's worked for many years with Elite US, I'm just reading it off his profile here, triathletes as a coach and advisor and a consultant and athletes coached by Dr. Dalham have included national elite and age group champions olympians pan american games etc etc and the top ranked male triathlete in the world hunter kemper okay he is very much into nasal breathing and back 2018 he got 10 recreational athletes he had them switch to nasal breathing during their physical exercise for 6 months at the end of 6 months he tested them their ventilation was 22% less with nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. The fraction of expired oxygen was less, meaning that the body had utilized oxygen better with nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. The respiratory rate was 39 breaths per minute versus 49 breaths with mouth breathing. Carbon dioxide in the blood was higher. So there's a, there's a significant saving in terms of the economies that, yes, when you first switch from mouth to nose breathing, it's a bit, du- it's a bit difficult you just keep going and then your body adapts to it. Yeah, I can I can
0: speak testaments to that. I actually um, cuz I actually have your um sports mask here
1: to to mm-hmm. work on this and yes. um now, the sports mask is taking nasal breathing to another <laughs> level. So you think nasal breathing is tough? It's a different story when you're wearing that.
0: Yeah, I um cuz I've been um so we'll we'll get to talk about this a little bit. So I have your sports mask here and I do a little boxing in it, just like a round or two, just to practice. Mm. And then um, I haven't started running yet with the, my distance running yet. And so, um, but I have used it for my weight workouts and mm-hmm. it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good. A little tough, but not too bad that I can last to, the whole workout. But, uh, but yeah, 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 it's, um, and I have noticed a little bit like my recovery. Like I get done and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I got anything done. You know, mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel pretty good, so I have speak to that, but it's super difficult. And so um, mm. I'm going to put this in the show notes for listeners who are um, curious to take their nasal breathing to another level. So we have three different levels here: we have a high, medium, and low.
1: So mine's been on low, which is most. fine when yeah. you're doing fairly intense exercise. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you were sitting down. And you wanted to give your breathing muscles a little bit of a workout, Mm -hmm. you could set it to high, or if you were going for a walk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, different strokes, different folks, somebody who's going for a walk on a treadmill, they want to reduce their, they want to improve their tolerance to carbon dioxide, wear the mask for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And it also strengthens the breathing muscles. You feel it when you take it off, you feel a difference. I never even thought, because I walk around the neighborhood
0: a lot, I never even thought to use the mask just to go for a walk. You can do it now with everybody wearing masks anyway. That's a good point. Oh, speaking yeah. of mask, that's, that's an interesting point that you brought up. Just masks, this is a totally different subject. I'll jump back to the sports mask here, but face mask. Yes. Um, How to breathe. Yeah, because does that mess up individuals' oxygen levels, their CO2? No, no it doesn't? It, okay. it does
1: increase CO2 a little bit. So it increases CO2. If you're wearing a face mask, just as you're wearing that mask, Mm -hmm. you are going to pool carbon dioxide inside the mask. So you're going to rebreathe that carbon dioxide back into the lungs because Mm -hmm. the human body needs concentration of carbon dioxide anyway of 40 millimeters of mercury pressure, about 5% of the atmosphere. But the atmospheric pressure of CO2 is only about 0.03%. So the human body needs much more carbon dioxide than what's in the atmosphere. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you breathe into a mask and you're rebreathing that carbon dioxide back into your lungs and that CO2 is going into the blood and you feel a greater air hunger, the increase of carbon dioxide is going to cause hemoglobin to release more oxygen to the tissues. So it's what's called a Bohr effect. Carbon dioxide increases, blood pH drops, and the affinity of hemoglobin for oxygen reduces. It will show a drop to your SpO2. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. And your SpO2 is the fraction of your red blood cells occupied by oxygen. And the reason that it would show a drop to your SpO2 is because the increase of carbon dioxide has resulted in your red blood cells releasing more oxygen to the tissues and organs. Hence, there's going to be a drop in the SpO2. So yeah, people say, well, you breathe with a mask, it's going to lower your blood oxygen. It's not. It is lowering your SpO2 because of the affinity of hemoglobin for oxygen is less, but that's not a bad thing. So there is a way to breathe while wearing the mask. You know, I use the example, I got my hair cut about four or five weeks ago, and the guy who was the barber had the mask on, young guy, 20 years of age, and I was listening to his breathing for the entire duration of the haircut. He was breathing through his mouth, and he was breathing fast, and he was breathing shallow. Wrong way to breathe. Mm -hmm. He's obviously feeling air hunger with the mask on and he's responding to it fast breathing, hard breathing. That's hyperventilation. And it's likely that he won't be able to get through the day. He'll be exhausted, he'll be fatigued, he'll be anxious as a result of that. If you want to optimize your lungs and optimize what's called alveolar ventilation, always have in mind, don't breathe mouth fast and shallow. Instead, breathe in and out through your nose, But you could start off with just having your hands down in the lower regions of the lungs. And as you breathe in, your ribs are gently moving out. And as you breathe out, your ribs are gently moving in. And then slow down your breathing. And you could slow down your breathing to breathing in two, three, four, five, out, two, three, four, five. Doing that, you don't waste as much air in dead space you enhance alveolar ventilation. So breath by breath, you're getting a lot more bang for your buck. He wouldn't feel the air hunger if he was doing that. And that's the way we would have people if they were doing any climbing, altitude training, et cetera. There is a way to breathe to optimize oxygen uptake, but it's not by breathing mouth fast and shallow. Okay. Yeah.
0: So that's that's awesome to hear. I'm sure listeners are going to appreciate that because I think sometimes you might. I, th- I forgot. You might see it in the internet that the, the mask they're they're affecting your, your breathing, and that. so I'm glad you explained that in a much better in a much better way than I could. <laughs> so, um, you know, because at first people thought that I got this mask for just to walk around. And I was filtration. like Yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I got this for I got this for performance. And
1: you could use it by the way for a filter. Mm -hmm. oh you could what you do is yeah do you know the little red dye for a minute yeah take it out and put in a cloth so it's a it's effectively then a cloth mask where the hole where the the air inlet is and where the exhaust is take it out and put in a cloth okay that would be one way to do it piece of cloth oh okay i didn't even think about that that's it yeah So this is, you know, I I have a
0: mask that's multi-useful, multi-useful now. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay. All right. So let's, as we wrap this up, let's think about some, like, what are some practical, I guess, like what's a one to two things that they can start, that listeners can start to do now to start really working on their breathing. Is it to...
1: Yeah. I'm going to go back to taping, right? I'm going to give you two options. You could go down to a local drugstore. And get 3M1-inch micropore tape. Okay. Paper tape. Take off about six inches of it. Fold it over at the top. Dry your lips. Mm -hmm. A lot easier than you think. Now, the second option is my own tape. And I developed this for people who have anxiety, but also for younger people. And this is called myotape. So we use it a lot with, for example, myofunctional therapy in dentistry. And this example is you get the tape, you stretch it around the mouth, and the lips are closed. You feel the tension. So, for example, people who are apprehensive about closing their mouth, they can wear the tape around it. And there's elastic properties that are pulling the lips together. And we actually developed it for children. I like because that one better. How, I could, like I the, how <laughs> could I get the kids breathing through the nose?
0: Yeah, I like that one. I think I'm going to order me that one.
1: because uh, I... <clears throat> The other one thing, Julian, is that we will have a version for sports. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, if you're running or if you're on your bike and you want to sustain nasal breathing, but then you want to take a drink. You can easily take a drink. But at the same time, it's reminding you to keep breathing through the nose mm-hmm. so that you're having those, those adaptations. That is awesome.
0: So let's do a few rapid-fire questions. I think that's a great way to... This is to... where you
1: catch me out, yeah?
0: This is yeah. where I make a total hymn of it. Go for it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's start here. Let's start with your... Um, what are two to three books that have had a major impact on your life?
1: One is The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, probably my most favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous book. Um, other books that have been really good, The Choice was a very good book, and I can't remember the author of it. Um, educated by Tara something as well. Tremendous book. Educated actually is an, an amazing book. It just gives you insight into, yeah, I suppose it's just a read, you know, but it's mm-hmm. uh, Tara Westwood, I think, is Educated. The choice is by a doctor who survived the Holocaust. Let's see. Um, Edith something, I think her name is. Oh, I found it. It's The Choice, Embrace the Possible. Edith uh, Eager. Eager. Yes, that's it. That's a really nice book. I like but that. But the Power, the Power of Now would be number one. Okay. One of the most brilliant books that I have ever read about bringing a stillness into the mind. Tremendous book. So those are three books that I like. Now, I'm an avid reader, generally, depending on time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there are three good books. And educated is brilliant. Brilliant. The educated. Father... The father is a total nut job, so you'll enjoy it. <laughs> all right,
0: I'm gonna check that. Educated tower westover. All right, I have that as well. All right. So let's let's talk about music. So who is in your all time musical starting five? And these could be bands, these can be solo artists, they could be dead or alive.
1: I like you too, not just because I'm Irish, but you know, I grew up with the band, I've been to their concerts and you know, I, I yeah, I listen to them. Um, In terms of music, I'm not the best to have to say, you know, Bob Dylan is pretty good. I like the older stuff, Um, Pink Floyd, some great tunes. So it's more so the older stuff that I like to listen to. And uh, yeah, I can't even think now after beyond that. So I'm very limited in terms of... hmm? Are you a movie or a a music person? No, I'm not even a movie either. Don't okay. yeah. Don't say uh, television. Yeah, watch a couple of things and all. I Might watch something on architecture or something like that. So I'm a very boring person. I live in the middle of the countryside, <laughs> middle of nowhere, and I have a quiet life and I enjoy it. You know, and that's that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. But well, I think
0: that's part of success is that you know what you like and you found that. And I think a lot of times some of our anxiety in the world is because we don't we haven't really taken the time to sit in silence and to figure out what it is that we exactly want or what exactly is that we like. So, you know,
1: I would absolutely totally agree with you. I think it's really important that we have a sense of purpose and it's very, very important. And I think very much so for a man in more so in his occupation, because the female traditionally, and this is not a sexist thing, but traditionally the female can have a sex of purpose in the home. Mm-hmm. Not saying that out of anything like that, but throughout evolution, attachment to children, etc. But I think for the man, the man was the hunter gatherer. The man needs to be out there doing something. They feel that they need to feel some sense of accomplishment. And I think there's an issue. You see it in different regions. I've seen it in different parts of Ireland here. Men that were on the fringes of society, uh, very frustrated, you know, get into violence get into all of the shit that they get into because they have, that gives them their sense of purpose. So we do need a sense of purpose. And if people don't have a genuine sense of purpose, maybe then that they are steered into an activity that will get them into trouble. That is spot on,
0: spot on right there. You know, very spot on. And um, so the next thing here is pretend you are, you have a round table. Are you a wine drinker,
1: beer drinker, coffee drinker? Yeah, a little bit. I enjoy it anything. Well, okay. Okay. It's, well, I've been an alcoholic, but <laughs> yeah, I'll have a few, few glasses of wine, have a few beers as well.
0: Okay. So let's say <coughs> you, you got a nice bottle of wine and you got mm. three seats that can, yeah. that can join you at the round table. And so who are three people that you invite at this round table? And they can be dead or alive, but they have to exclude family.
1: Yeah, and you know what, I'd say most people are going to say that they would like to have Donald Trump sitting across them. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because I want to see is there an intelligence behind what I'm seeing when he's giving interviews, because it doesn't impress me a whole lot. And that's not how you know, people will say, oh, he's criticizing our president. Absolutely not. I I think there's more to the individual. Um, I would like to to break down, I would like to get in his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would like to see his motives. I would like to see how does he think? I, You know, there's something there. And that that would be an interesting conversation, is talking with Donald Trump. And also, if I could take away the veil in that, and getting into the truth, you know, because many people say something, but they mean something totally different. And politicians can be pretty good at that. Very good. So that would be one, one aspect of it. Who else would I like? I think Eckhart Tolle, I've always been a major fan of his. He's been absolutely tremendous, very unassuming. Um, you know, what he has brought into the world in terms of that capacity to bring stillness to the mind. And his his timing has absolutely been perfect. You know, I've seen him in, in public um, in terms of I attended his talks. And it's not just about the power of the words, but it's about the presence in between the words. And it comes back to what I was talking about earlier on. It's probably the essence of true spirituality that's ingrained in pretty much all of the religions. All of the religions before man started messing about with them. Before power came into play. Before corruption came into play. You know, before the human failures came into play. So Eckhart Toll would be, yeah, absolutely would be wonderful to sit down with him. Another man that I would like to sit down with is is either Michael O'Leary from Ryanair. Now, he's a little bit like your Southwest Airlines. Herb Kelleher, I think, is Southwest. Um, Michael O'Leary did the same degree as me, but obviously he put it to better use than I did. He... He found it, well, he didn't found it, but he, he took charge of an airline that was floundering back in the 1980s called Ryanair. Mm-hmm. And he built it into one of the more most successful airlines in Europe. And it would give probably any of any airlines around the world a run for their money. A no-nonsense approach to the point that I'll quote, I'm reading a biography at the moment that I bought years ago. One of his sayings is that, People who, who, people who write, or business books, yeah, business books are written by wankers. That's his philosophy <laughs> on that one. Because he's approaching business and entrepreneurship from the point of view, not from theory and what you read in the books, mm-hmm. but from the true application of it. And he has made tremendous change. So he would be interesting from a, from a business point of view. And I think we could do with him in our health sector you know, to totally overhaul it, to get rid of the waste, to get rid of, you know, make a lot of dossers redundant. The people who are, you know, sitting there taking money, because ultimately it's the normal individuals on the street who are paying for it with their tax dollars. And I think it's in government, there is so much wastage. There's so much wastage here in Ireland as well, you know, that people in government don't often consider that who's paying for Everything that's there is us, and entrepreneurs we are really contributing to that, and we are contributing to it. Look at the hours that we put in, and again, Timothy Ferris, don't agree with him mm-hmm.
0: that's an interesting roundtable
1: yeah that's three that's yeah. three very different people there
0: yeah, I would love <laughs> to see that
1: <laughs> after what after about the second the third or fourth bottle of wine is it?
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So the last question here is that um, if someone taps you on the shoulder and they said, Patrick, what are three things that I can do today to start becoming a superhuman entrepreneur? What would you tell them?
1: I would say there's one thing that I would say is find a field that you love. And that is the key because, you know, if you're not in that field, you're not. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has something that they are innately good at, that -hmm. it becomes effortless, whether it's public speaking, whether it's writing, whether it's, you know, the guy who's the IT guy that's hiding away from everybody. But everybody has a purpose that's suited to themselves. And it's very important that we are matched to that purpose, because that is the one that that's passion instead of stress. Mm -hmm. That's creativity instead of stalemate. But very few of us find that purpose. And I have a young daughter of 10 years of age. And I say to her, number one is whatever you do in life, you find an occupation that you love because we spend so much time in our, in the workplace. So much time. We spend more time in the workplace than we do in our family life. Why should we invest our entire life, 30, 40 years of working in a field that we are not suited to? Because that is going to reduce quality of life. Hmm. So I know you're looking for two other things, but I would say number one is a a field that you can excel at that suits your talents. Regardless of, it doesn't, not everybody is going to be the guy who's running the big business. Quite frankly, I don't want to run a big business. I don't want that hassle. I want enough money to have a nice quality of life and to have freedom. And I don't want stress. That's Mm -hmm. the one thing. You know, you see sometimes individuals, they are in charge of many employees and many millions of dollars. They're stressed out. It's no good. It's no good. So find something that we are suited to, be creative, bring stillness into the mind, improve sleep, and improve breathing. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that first one that first was so rich. So that would, that would give them enough homework to do for a while yes. that would keep them occupied. But then the other, two, the other two are just icing on the cake.
1: <laughs> they just fall into it, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, oh man, that was awesome. This was a very fun interview, Patrick. Um, where can um, listeners find out more about you?
1: Sure, like we, we've social media channels. One is Instagram, um, mm-hmm. Oxygen Advantage, YouTube, Oxygen Advantage, and then Ox- Oxygen Advantage dot com. Okay, and I will have
0: all those in the show notes. I will also have the place for sports, the sports mask. mask, and um, I yeah. might even put a picture of myself with the sports Fish. mask on. You know, dude, that'd
1: be super, so, super, yeah. So, so, so um, Sports Mask is sportsmask.com. You don't mind me plugging that, and. Oh no, definitely plug it. because o- it's, it's a great mask. Thanks. And myotape is myotape.com. Yeah. Yeah, definitely
0: plug it. And uh, definitely um I've I think I've told I've told a handful of people because I've had people come up to the gym and they were like, Where'd you get that mask at? And I was like, It's sportsmask.com, you know. And, That's cool. And then I had to warn them, though, because these are guys that didn't really have the condition. I was like, you don't necessarily just want to walk around in this just yet. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, yeah. So <laughs>
1: it's it takes a bit of. Yeah. I took this is where inspiration It's It's amazing, too, you know, like people who are entrepreneurial that how you get ideas. I have a car. It's a, it's a Mercedes CLS, but it's got a lovely grill on it. And it's kind of. See, these are kind of an older man's car, but this one is quite sporty. And the grill on the mask is the same as the grill on the car. So if you Google Mercedes CLS, you'll see that boxy grill. And that's where I took the grill from the mask. Wow. (laughs) So there's always ideas. Yeah. Somebody else has done it. We we don't have to grill. I like that. And so everyone,
0: we'll leave you on that. So stay awesome and continue to be limitless. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I hope this podcast made you 1% better at least, hopefully more, but at least 1%. If you are new and this is your first time listening, thank you so much. Welcome. I'm glad you found it, whatever way you did. I hope you go back, listen to some of the older episodes and stick around. And if you are a continued listener, thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. There's millions of podcasts out there and you decided to listen to this one. So I do not take it for granted. And I hope I don't disappoint you. And in the meantime, I hope the information that Patrick shared was eye opening to you. You know, it's truly changed my life and my performance in just a short time that I've been implementing a lot of what he's talked about. So check his book out. Keep up with him. He has a wealth of knowledge. And in the meantime, you know how I like to do. I like to keep the vibrations high and try to raise you even higher. So enjoy the song. Peace.